Ever quit a job? Ever redefine yourself within one? Ever started something in one big or failed? Quit is a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. We'd like to say thanks very much to our sponsors today. We'll tell you more about them as the show goes on. It's gazelle.com and shutterstock.com. We'd also like to say thanks very much to our friends over at Cashfly for sponsoring the bandwidth for this episode of Quit. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. They make everything really fast. All of our downloads, CDNs, they do it. Go check them out, cashfly.com. Let them know you heard about them here on 5x5. All right, so today, Friday, May 10th, 2013. A little later, you know, I started a little later than I wanted to, Daniel. That's all right. I had a lunch meeting that went long. Forgivable. I mean, sometimes that happens and it's not professional. You know, lateness, that would be a good topic, but it's not what we're going to talk about today. If you want to call into the show, this is a live show, 512 518 5714, number to dial. Now, we can stack up a, a ton of calls. They already got four, four or five lined up. Well, three right now. It's weird. They drop off sometimes. They get impatient. You get somebody, that, you know, one person's been on hold an hour. We're just getting started. They've been on hold an hour already. There's a guy that was on hold for like five days. I don't that know doesn't, and that. I'm paying for that. So I don't know what that is. Hmm. I mean, I have, to, I have to pay for all of it. Somebody has to pay. Whoa! There's a lot. There's a lot of documentation here. I need to. You've I need to get you a better setup. This is setup my producer, there. Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hi. Hello. It's a lot of good stuff. See, I have the clipboard gone now. Yes. Man, but I love this. I love all this. If it's too much, you no, can tell this me. This is good. I mean, we might not get through all of it, but it's good. It's it, it's just there for you to have in case we get to it. Please, no one be offended if you received an email and we don't get to your email today. We will try to get to it on a future quit show. I mean, I could do a rapid fire thing and, and blaze through these, but I, I feel like that's, that's you know, these people have their yeah, there pre- yeah. people have problems. All right. So one of the things that I see here in, in this, I'm just going to follow this. Okay. Is we have a, a response and a little bit of a recap from last week. Last week, I, I talked a little bit about, uh, talked a little bit about dress code and what people should wear to the office. And a lot of people responded to me on Twitter about this. A lot of people, some people were saying, you know what, Dan's right. Dan's got a point. Well, here's what I said. I said that you, you know, take pride in, in your appearance, take pride in the, in the way you dress. And I talked about it specifically in reference to something like, you know, something like an interview where, you know, you want to, you want to kind of overdress if you know that the folks in the office wear, you know, polos, t-shirts and jeans Maybe put on a, a, a nice button-up shirt and a tie, maybe even a sport coat. It, it, people are afraid that they're going to run the risk of looking like a square if they do that. They're going to show up and they're going to be, oh, look at that guy. He, he's, he's not, you know. I don't think that's a problem. I think you take pride. I think you pull it off. I think you get to work it. You know what? I was talking to a friend of mine uh, many, many years ago when the MacBook, the, the, uh, the MacBook, the white MacBook was the only small uh, portable Apple computer that was really affordable. It was like in that $1,000, $1,200 range. And I was debating which machine to get. Because most of the people that I know, they had a MacBook Pro or, you know, PowerBook. This was that whole transitional time period. And I said, yeah, I feel like, you know, 
you roll in with one of these plastic white computers, nobody's going to take you seriously in a meeting. And the guy said, I'm paraphrasing. He said, you roll in with one of those. You put that on the desk and, 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 and you give an awesome talk or an awesome presentation where he's like, that's money. Now, that is, that's a direct quote. That's money. That's money. That's what he said. And, you know, it, that, the, whole, the whole concept of how you, how you carry yourself and how you present yourself. There's this great commercial. I forget, I forget what this is. Somebody in the jackals in the chat room helped me out. By the way, you can buy a T-shirt right now. We get jackal shirts up. I haven't even really mentioned it because I like these things to be stealth. I don't like to – that's my failing is I don't promote stuff enough because I don't want to seem like a shill. I don't think you're a shill. Well, thank you. But you go to shop.5by5.tv and we've got the Jackal shirts up there for a limited time because we got to close the store very soon so that we can ship them in time for WWDC. Winner. No, and that's U.S. only. A U.S. only. US this only. is a special and we're very – we're getting a lot of uh, criticism about that. We will have the regular issue Jackal shirts. They will be international. This is a special – in time for WWDC only, special edition Jackal t-shirt, only f- shipping to the U.S. Because we get to do a small run, a small batch, as they say, when they're making, uh, making this kind of run. Short thing. All right. So anyway, you know, you show up in an office, you show up in a business situation, and you're dressed nicely. You want to fit in. You want to fit in. But you can, you can look nice and you can look presentable. So that was my thing. And I was saying that this whole phenomenon of, of wearing a hoodie, that's... I can't get down with that. Wearing a hoodie. Why you know? not? Because the, it, you wear a hoodie. What you're saying is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid in school. That's what that says. Mm. And somebody who's a billionaire running a huge company in California can get away with it. But that said all the And so then somebody on Twitter uh, reached out to me and said, listen, I don't ever want to be told what to wear. I'm not a child. I don't want to be told. Don't tell me what to wear. Don't, I don't want my boss at work to tell us we all need to be in a suit on a certain day. Well, guess what? Wake up. That's business. Okay? And if you have a client or an investor or a banker or some company you want to partner with or something, guess what? Your boss says you need to wear a suit on Friday and you don't have a suit. Go out and buy one and have it tailored and be there on Friday morning or call in sick. That's your job. And that's your boss. And generally speaking, your boss does get to determine the dress code where you work. I don't want to be told what to wear. Well, guess what? There is a certain level that your boss may decide. Guess what? In order to get this client, everyone needs to dress up today. You don't like that? Guess what? Free country. Go work somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. I, that's it. I'm just go work somewhere else if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? What if nobody's ever coming in your office and they say you got to wear a tie? Like you better wear a tie or go work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too much to ask. They're paying you. Now, there was a great scene. I'm not going to ruin anything. There is a great scene. We're getting caught up on Mad Men here. We're still a season or so back. So all of the episodes and seasons have become jumbled together for me. I don't really know whether this was season two or three, but it was probably three. And I won't give anything away. There's a character in the show whose name is Don Draper. And there's another character he's talking to. I don't even want to say who it is because people will get upset. 
because they haven't seen it yet. But the other character is saying to Don, who Don sort of took as the head of creative, he took credit for a successful advertising campaign. He took credit for this because he's the head of creative. And the character, I won't even say if it's a man or a woman, the character says to him, it's, uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, that was that idea, original idea was really mine and I didn't get credit. And you're the one that went out and won this award for it. I never even, even, even get a thank you. And he says to the character, he says, that's what the money is for. But this is reality, you know. This really got me thinking because so many times there are people, and I was, I was one of these people time and time and time and time again, where you make some huge contribution to a project that you're on. And the credit, whether on intentionally or just circumstantially, the credit goes to your boss or your boss's boss or to the company as a whole and you're not, you're not ever acknowledged for. This is why we have credits in the movies. Everybody's name gets to be up there. You get to say what you did, key grip. You get to have your name up there. It goes past. And, well, that was me up there. doesn't really explain what I did, but, like, that was my name up there. It's a little two-second crawl of fame. Exactly. The crawl of fame. The crawl of fame. So it's just, it's one of those things. My mom once is messaging me. She would like to go to Whole Foods with me tomorrow morning. I'll answer her after the show. She does not listen. So you, you have to know that in, this is how it works in business. And one day you will be the person at the top. And you know what you'll say to yourself? Well, I will, I will make it different. I will make sure that the people who work with me get the credit that they deserve. And frequently the, the good CEOs out there, that's what they do. But in, in the public's eye, in the eye of the consumer, in the eye of the website visitor, whatever, they're not going to necessarily know that. But that is what the money is for. You're getting, and I know that that was sort of done to kind of make Don look a little bit insensitive. And sorry if I'm ruining the show, Don's a little bit insensitive. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. But, but there's very much a reality to that. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? That's right. Because... I was, I was that person who was like, man, I built that website that this company that I work for is getting credit for. And I didn't get any, I didn't, you know, oh, somebody once told me, hey, good work, but I didn't get a bonus. I didn't get, well, guess what? You don't, you don't necessarily, it's, hey, maybe you work for a company where they're going to give you a bonus when you do something great, or they're going to throw a little party, or they're going to promote you to junior partner or whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, they hired you, you're in there, you're doing a job and they're, your thanks is getting paid. That sounds terrible because we're human beings and we like to hear a thank you and we like to be appreciated and we like to be compensated for the work that we do. A simple thank you would suffice. And sometimes it does suffice, but not all the time. Not all the time. But that's not, that's human decency, yes. But is it required? Especially in a big business? No. Show up, do your work, and I promise I'll pay you. That's the agreement that, that is pretty much the only one you can expect. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people eventually, if they're in a big company, they want to get out of the big company. Because there really is that situation. It's like, you know, I remember I worked at this company, a telecommunications billing system company. 
there were 5,000 people working in technology at one point. That's a whole different topic about overhiring. But there were 5,000 people working in the technology area. And then they had like 25,000 or something doing like sales, phone, phone support and all that. And it was very much like if it, you were – it wasn't that you were a number. It's just that you were a specific role. Like, oh, you are – uh, you are the, you know, you are a systems analyst too, doing Java development for team XYZ. And if you quit, like the people that you might have direct contact in might, oh, you know, Dan's leaving. And then like the, the floor would open up and a new chair would pop up and there'd be a shrink wrapped system analyst to Java developer. And they'd pull the shrink wrap off of him, him, notice I say him, and they'd wheel him up to the desk and turn him on and he would start writing code. And that's just how it works in big business. They don't, they do not care. They do not care. And there's almost no situation. There's almost no job out there. There's almost no, you see how I'm following exactly your notes, Daniel. There's almost no job out there. I'm not following your notes. Where you are not replaceable. Very few. And, and the more you think that you're not replaceable, the more you're replaceable. The more you feel like you can relax because you got this, the less you got this. In a very small company, it's much harder to replace somebody, especially in a, a company that's like a startup where people are doing lots of different things. Everybody has multiple roles. You may be the only person there who understands all of these different technologies and the way that they're integrated. You may be the only copywriter in the, in the company. You may be the only person who understands how to use Photoshop CC, right? I mean, you may, that may be you, still replaceable. With very few exceptions, the company will go on. With very few exceptions. And that, that shouldn't make you feel bad. That should make you say, okay, I get it. And that's just the way it is. And it, it does kind of suck. That's why people start their own company. So going back to this thing about how you dress, the people that I always saw who were deemed by the company to be, see how I work all this in? Who were deemed by the company to be important were the ones who stood out for one reason or another. If you have five people who are all writing Java, Okay, and four of those five people are relatively introverted. And the fifth one, who's maybe not even the best Java developer, is less introverted and wears a tie and look as a cool hairstyle. Guess who's going to get noticed by the other people on the other teams? Guess who's going to be the one that represents the team in the big meeting? Guess who's going to be the one? This is how it works. Well, it's not always my company. My boss uh, acknowledges the hard work of the code and really appreciates it. Well, great. Then you're lucky. There's this great commercial that, that uh, I forget where the, what this is for. There are these uh, people in a meeting and one of the guys makes a suggestion. And he's kind of geeky. He's a little bit introverted. and He makes a suggestion. He's like, well, we could do this and we could do that. And people are like, nah. And then the other guy who's like the salesy guy with the tie and the good haircut says, well, we could do this and we could do this. And he ch- kind of judo chops the air with his hand. And, and, and everyone's like, yeah, Bob, that's a great idea. We should do that. And the first guy's like, you said the same exact thing I said. You just went like this when you did it. And he chops the air. That's reality. It's all about presentation. Every single time I've been in a meeting, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's people who are sitting there saying, well, I'm, I'm too introverted for that. I can't do that. Well, you're probably not going to be able to change. Just beware. Know about it. But one way that you can set yourself apart is by caring how you look. Every, every time I go, so I'm not going to do a whole show about this. Don't worry. But every time you go somewhere, you look around and you see people who look like they don't care how they look. You know, they're walking around the office in flip-flops and a hoodie. And they don't care how they look. They look like they're still in their dorm room. That's well, cool. I can wear whatever I want to work. Yeah, you can. See in five years. You'll look like everyone else who See in wears five what years. they want. Yeah. So we get an email about this. Is this the one you want me to read? All right. Pete. Uh, you're, picking, you're picking the names. This is Peter Campbell, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Dress down. Problem. Dressed down for an interview at request of potential employer didn't get the job. Possibly not for that reason. Well. You'll see. On the topic of dressing for interviews, first of all, I agree. I've always been one to dress up. However, a year ago, I made an exception. I had an interview with a small company, and this is what the recruiter in the company said to me in an email. What to wear? Question mark. This is a hot topic with career counselors. Please wear what you would normally wear if you were not going to an interview. Our dress code is non-existent, so you will be hard-pressed to be too casual. I'll most likely be in jeans and a t-shirt or maybe a matching top and bottom tracksuit. You never know. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I followed a suggestion, wore something casual. This is uh, Pete Campbell asking me. Wore something casual, though I did not get the job. Not sure on the reasons why at this time. You know, I hear this all the time. I've been to interviews where they have specifically told me, dress casual, wear a casual office, dress casual. Business casual at that time meant the corporate stooge uniform, a a, a tucked in polo shirt, short sleeve polo shirt, belt, khaki pants. Unfortunately, they were pleated at the time. You know, pair of uh, brown leather shoes. That was the uniform. That was business. That was termed business casual. I don't even think business casual exists anymore. And what did I wear? What do you think I wore? I wore a pair of slacks, leather shoes, button-up shirt, tie, sport coat. Got the job. Is that why I got the job? I hope not. But it said to them, "Listen, there's a standard of presentation out there. There is a standard. I adhere to that standard. And that standard is this is an important day." I'm going to dress up for it. You know, all the times I see people on TV, they know they're going to be interviewed on TV. Or TV, as Hattie says. TV. They know they're going to be on TV. They know they're going to, to make a television appearance. And they're sitting there in a, in a shirt and the collar's all spread out like this. It's off to one side. It's buttoned down. You're going to be on television, on national television. Put a tie on if you're a man. Well, good luck, Pete. I don't know what the reason is. You know, that's pure speculation. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. But it doesn't hurt. I mean. doesn't hurt to dress up a little bit. Well, and it's always interesting when a company that you're interviewing for or a person, say they're Dan Benjamin. Right. And you meet them at a very informal location, say breakfast somewhere. And he tells you, this isn't an interview. Don't dress up. But you totally feel compelled to because you want to impress this person. Or at least you should. Yeah. If you care about this, dress up. 
don't care what they say. Dress up. Somebody has found the uh, the thing. It's a commercial by FedEx, and it's called FedEx Stolen Idea. We're not going to play it on the show, but it will be in the show notes. Show notes can be found at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 23. Thank you to whoever found it. So, holy ho- cow. Holy cow. Holy cow. And, you know, it's, it's unreasonable. And this is something else that we want to talk. Wow, you got some good topics on here. You can talk about office setups. You can talk about working remotely. Working remotely is something that's always fascinating. There are a couple um, links in the show notes related Already to the things we will be talking about. You know, it, that's the thing that, that, that we talked about here a little bit on a previous show. And it's, it's very interesting today, the, the attitudes that people have about commuting, working from home. And I've talked to, with Merlin, I've talked on this show about how, uh, how you can often have a better setup that's more conducive to the way that you work if you are working remotely, if you're working in your house, if you're working from home. Or even if you're working in a coffee shop. Some people love that. Some people love to go and work in a coffee shop. And there's lots of places that don't have any kind of formal office at all. And I worked for a company like that where the developers as a development team, they never were there. There was no physical facility for them ever to go and work in ever. They all worked remotely and we would have a couple meetups each year. We'd all come together and it was fine. And there are certain jobs that make sense to do that. Here that doesn't work so much because we have a lot of stuff that we have to do, physically do here. We have microphones. We have, yes, we could do this all remotely. And I did it all remotely for a couple of years. And it was very, very, very difficult. It's much easier. And I'll tell you what, if you had, go, if you had, had me as a caller on this show to talk about this particular topic four years ago, I would have said, there's no reason to do any of this in a studio. There's no reason to do any of this in an office. Offices are the worst. Offices are horrible. And I would talk to friends and say, I really like going into my office. I really like it. You know, I get to hang out with other people. I get to do something fun. We've got a really cool office. It's casual. People go to lunch. They bring back barbecue. You know, so nice. it's nice. And there's something to be said for having that kind of human social interaction. They're really, and it was something that as a developer, that it's very easy. It, well, I'll speak for myself. It was very easy for me to fall into what I will now call a delusion that the relatively isolated life that I had in a room eight or so hours a day, writing code and talking to people over instant message, that that was living. It, that's not living. That's not living. Now, I know that there's the whole concept of, you know, the struggling developer, writer, artist, whoever, who's like toiling away and doing something. And, you know, like it was enjoyable. There were periods of time where nobody interrupted me. I could get tons of stuff done. It was amazing. It was great. But to have the option to go in and, and see other human beings and talk to them about what you're doing. And that's why co-working exists. As we make this huge shift that's taking years to happen, but as we make this huge shift going from an environment of corporate world where you've got rooms full of people and smaller rooms full of other people uh, all working and, you know, checking in at eight and walking out at six, that 
is is historic. That's gone now. You now have creative spaces. You now have a place where people come together because that is conducive to enhancing their productivity, enhancing the way that they feel about their job. That's what has become the reason that people are together. They're not together because their bosses were typically requiring them to be there. This is, I'm talking about the forward thinking future. The reason that they're there is because we like to come together and meet. We like to hang out. We like to exchange ideas with each other. It's nice to see other people. And not, if I can't see you, you're not working. That is going away, finally. It's starting to go away. But working from home, I mean, it, 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 there, is so many, there are so many challenges. And some people love it. And other people can just never adjust to it. They just feel isolated. And I think it, a lot of it depends maybe on what you're, what you're doing for a living. Developers are going to find it easy. Writers are going to find it easy. But if you're working on projects with other people, that's why all these tools exist. These collaborative tools. And we've had plenty of sponsors who, who have made their entire businesses around the idea that people need collaborative tools to work together because they're in different places. The only reason that ever used to be the case in the past was because you had two different offices in different cities and they had to figure out how to work together. Now you can have whole companies that are that have there is no office two people never see each other so now there's an industry of applications and software around that so we've got a couple of links that daniel put here in the show notes how to set up your home office for maximum productivity mine was never very well set up and some tips for being super productive while you work remotely and a lot of those those articles that i've read on that you know one of these articles that's here talks about the actual use of space. I remember I had a, a friend and he said, oh, I, you know, I, I can't work from home. We need to get an office. I said, why do we need to get an office? Well, I can't work from home. I said, why? He said, well, I just, I don't like it there. My office is, is not right. It's too whatever. And finally, when, uh, when I was in, in town to visit him, I went and I saw, and I said, you've got an amazing home office. Like what's wrong with you? He just wanted an audience. He just wanted to have people around him and feel like he was at work. And that's what made him feel like he was at work. I always had, I'll describe my cube to you at every job I ever had. Completely empty. I had a computer on the desk. And if I absolutely had to have papers or whatever on the desk, I would have it on the desk and that was it. You're very Spartan. I was ready to walk out that door at a moment's notice. If my boss came over to me and said, all right, it's, it's over, or if something happened, gone. I'm out of there. I have nothing. I don't have to pack anything up. I don't have to pack anything up. Nothing. Pen, a couple pens. Maybe those weren't even mine. Maybe the company provided me with those. I could leave, leave nothing behind. Which is done, empty, completely empty, clean. Cleaned it with Windex, and it was ready to go. I had nothing out there. And people would always joke with me. Oh, are you, you going somewhere down? I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm ready to. Not today. Maybe not today. Tomorrow. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? No. You know, I'd see all these people, they'd have stuff all set up in their cube and everything. And then, you know, then, then when they are let go and finally there's the, uh, the reduction in forces and they get a pink slip, 
now it's going to take them two hours to, you know, take the little koala bears off the sides of their cube and peel the stickers and decals off. I had a picture frame and that was it. Pick that up, walk out, done. I had to do that too. But that's, you know, it's very interesting. We got to do a sponsor, but it's very interesting when you look at the different kinds of office spaces that, that there are nowadays. When I was coming up, most of the time there was, and I've described this before, it was one of two different scenarios. It was either private offices or private offices for the important people and then cubes or cube farms for all the non-important people. So if you have in your mind the image of a square, around the perimeter of the square you have offices and then you have a couple conference rooms mixed in and then this thing in the middle, we call that a cube farm. And you'd, you imagine all these cube walls together and usually they're in groups of like four or six or sometimes even longer, these long hallways essentially of, that the cubes form. And you just have people sitting there. And the important people would be the ones in the cubes that would be in the cubes at the end of the row near the windows. So you wouldn't actually have a window. Like you couldn't look to your right and see out the window. But you could lean back and you could see, oh, there is actually a world out there outside of this cube. There's some sky. Yeah. That, then you knew you were important if you got one of those cubes. And man, it's, what a depressing, depressing thing. What do you mean they're getting antsy? Oh, because Scott Johnson was supposed to be here. We had to reschedule Scott Johnson. He'll be on next week. He'll be on next week. We had a time thing. He's a busy man, that guy. Very busy. Always super Something. scheduled. Very organized. Super nice. Really excited. He's a, I mean, week. he's a nice guy. We're going to have him on. We just, we got to do it right. We don't want to rush him in. He's limited on time. He, this is, you know... Obama just was here in, in Austin. Speaking of busy guys. And he's got more flexibility in his schedule than, uh, than the Frog Pants guy. So did Scott you, Johnson will be here. Did so you calm see that down. Obama went to Stubbs? Appar- yeah, apparently he, one of the guys on his campaign worked there, we were told. Because hmm. so you would have think he would go to Lambert's. Or Franklin. Or Franklin. <sighs> That's where he should have gone. Obama doesn't wait in line. No. He's got a task rabbit guy to do that for him. True. Gazelle is our first sponsor. You know, these guys are great. This is the this is the best thing. These guys have this is a genius idea. Man, I wish I thought of this. You want a new iPhone, an iPad, Samsung Galaxy, HTC phone, that new one looks pretty good if you're into Android. But here's the thing. Well, I'm not I'm not sure I want to do it because I don't know if I could sell my old one. I don't want to, I just bought this one a year ago. I want to wait. Well, guess what? You don't, you don't have to wait anymore, and you also don't have to play games trying to sell it on Craigslist or eBay because Gazelle exists. That's why. They have come into the world, and they're making this thing very, very, very easy. What, what am I talking about? You go to gazelle.com, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E, gazelle.com, and right there you, you find the item that you have that you want to sell, and you tell them what condition it's in. Oh, it's in mint. It's perfect. Oh, it's got a little scratch. It's been in my pocket for a year, you know. Whatever. They'll even buy broken phones. They'll even buy broken iPads. And you tell them the condition, and they will give you a lock-in price right at that moment. And they will pay by check. They'll pay by PayPal. Or if you want extra 5%, they'll pay you with an Amazon gift card. And it, that is now locked in. You, can, you, you think there's going to be some big announcement at the iPhone event and whenever? Well, 
30 days ahead of that, you can get a lock-in price. So even if that price goes down after the new phone's announced, guess what? You've got a locked-in price. That's nice. It's very nice. They've paid over $100 million to over 500,000 customers. I've used them, and it's as simple as it sounds. You put your PayPal address in there, done. Done. You send the thing in. They send you everything you need to send it in. You send it out to them. You get some money. And just keep in mind, you, you know, all your gadgets, they're losing value right now as you sit here waiting. Right now, losing value. Can you feel it? Gazelle.com, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, Gazelle. Go check them out. God, I love them. So cool. I want them, I want to lock them in for quit sponsorships for the rest of the year. We can do it. So sorry that uh, Scott Johnson of Frog Pants is not here. So let's take a couple calls. I guess we should do that. I guess Hattie found the password. Okay, all right. Robert. Hey, Dan, how are you? Okay, so for people who don't know, do I, is it, how do I say your last name? I want to make sure I get it right. I'm terrible with names. It's Shaw. Shaw, okay, Robert Shaw. Uh, so listen, look at this, check this out. Can you describe this the, radio's theater, theater of the mind? Theater of the mind. What, what is this? That is, a, that is a very nice black wallet. It is very thin. I see there's there's a little money clip there. Kind of built in, kind little of a strap. Built in strap for your money. There's a spot for your cards on the inside as well as on the outside. License. Super thin. Yeah. This guy made that. Wow. Very cool. Is that a good introduction? Is that accurate, Robert? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is called the minimalist wallet. And you started this thing as a Kickstarter. Uh, when when was that? Like six months ago, about? Um, yeah, actually, just about six months ago, we finished. Uh, uh, we we kicked it off six months ago, and uh, just hit that anniversary a few days ago. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. What's going on? Okay, so um, first of all, thanks for taking my call. You made my day when you actually pulled out the wallet and described it to everyone. I was sort of uh, a little afraid that you might not be carrying it anymore. But of course, I am. It's, it's I, so cool. It's the best wallet. It's the best wallet. It's perfect. All these other wallet companies that say they're minimalist, I've bought those. I've got all of those. And they're, they, don't, they don't work. They don't work. This is the only one. And by the way, I have some refinements I want you to make. We can talk about on the show or off the show. But this is the, the first wallet that I've had in my entire life that actually works the way that I want it to work. And this is this was your complaint, Robert. You were out there. Do you go by Bob or Rob? Um, I can go. By, I, I used to go by Bob when I was about eight, Bobby. Right. But now I'm uh, now now Rob or Robert's normally the norm. All right, we'll stick with Robert. How did what was the inspiration to do this? What was the inspiration to come out with this wallet? And why Kickstarter? Why now? Lots of competition out there. And how have you been doing? Um. Okay, <laughs> lots of questions. Well, I, I guess I should start off with my, my quit story since it's, it's sort of unusual. Um, I've been working in management consulting for uh, a bunch of the large firms for um, roughly 12 years or so, and actually doing, doing pretty well, um, but just kind of always had in the back of my mind that I was um, not really satisfied, even though I was you know, working these big clients and getting great you know, resume line items. I just really never was completely happy. Um, so I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to start my own company. Um, and things sort of started forming up that way. My wife, um, 
was pregnant and I thought, oh, you know, if I don't go ahead and start my, my company soon, I, I probably never will. And I'll just be a, a quote unquote corporate stooge for the rest of my life. And, and that, that actually scared me quite a bit. Unfortunately, I sort of planned out this timeline for, for leaving the company. Um, uh, when I was surprised a little bit prematurely by the company where they actually decided one day to dissolve my group in, in the transition of um, our organization. And so I was actually let go on a, a Thursday, um, which was in my mind actually uh, great because I was going to get a package, severance, and paid out my vacation and all of that, um, which I was sort of saving for the end of um, um, my term there. Um, the only problem was it was going to, my benefits were going to end about a month before my wife was due to deliver. Oh, wow. So that was sort of an unfortunate situation. Um, but the, 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 the short of the story is I got laid off on a Thursday and my company as, um, kind of, uh, interesting as they are called me back on Monday and said, Hey, can you kind of forget about what we said on Thursday? We made a mistake. We were a little bit, um, uh, premature and letting you go. Oh, man. Uh, we actually need you to stay on to work this big project for us out in New York. And, uh, it, you know, at that point I was, was pretty, uh, disgusted. Yeah, um, what can you, what can you say you about that? Say. How do you, how do you respond to that? I, you know, I, I took everything in stride because, um, you know, I, I learned early on that you, you never really burn any bridges. Um, if, if you don't have to, and despite being very, very um, upset, I, I sort of swallowed my pride and said, hey, look, there, there are bigger things at, at work here. Um, you know, having benefits is, is not a bad thing, especially when we have such a big medical event coming up. Um, but I, I uh, luckily enough, the project that they wanted me to work on was, was interesting. It was um, a very unique sort of engagement, actually. Um, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, but it had to do with um, an investigation of sort of the, the largest Ponzi scheme ever in the history of the world, basically. Uh -huh. The guy over the first name was Bernie. Um, so they wanted <laughs> me to go in and, 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 and run a project there um, wow. going through all the old files. So I said, oh, you know, that's that's kind of interesting. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hang around to do that. Um, but so I, I, what I did, though, was I didn't... Um, you know, they wanted me to just kind of tear up the, you know, the the, the, the termination agreement. And actually, the, the director of uh, HR for the entire company was like, eh, just, you know, just forget that. Let's just keep going on. And I said, no, I can't really do that because I, I don't trust you guys anymore. The so, quote-unquote job security that was I imagined that I had was, you know, no longer there. Right. Sort of taken that away. So I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we at least let's let's plan for me to just push this agreement back three months to the end of the year. And we can talk about it then. I think that'd be sort of mutually beneficial to both of us. Like I, I'll have some security that you won't call me in another month and say, Oh, never mind. We made another mistake. We're actually are going to let you go okay. or, um, <laughs> right. Or, and then, then I can work this project for you guys. So I think it's, it's, you know, we're each getting a fair shake in that. So working through the end of the year and we got to the point where we finished that project and they said, "Okay, let's let's talk about the next project." And I said, "No, no thanks. I'm I'm done." So I quit. And you, um, so you were actually gone yeah. from there before you decided to make a new wallet. 
Right. Yeah. So I, the, 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 the sort of interim plan was to take just some time off. I, um, I've been working this career pretty hard, um, for, like I said, you know, 12, 12 or so years involved a lot of travel, like, uh, you know, there, are, you know, I've been platinum many times over on, on the various airlines, nice. I've on 60,000 miles in two or three months kind of thing, coast to coast, spread eyes every week. And I just was, you know, sort of tired of not having that stability, especially since we're, you know, having, a, we had a baby on the way. Um, so I had kind of set aside or started planning for this for a while. And fortunately enough, um, you know, set away enough of a, kind of fallback reserve so that I could try something. I had just been discussing this with my wife who was completely supportive all the way. She, she knew that my, my end goal passion was always to kind of do something on our own, but we had to make sure the circumstances were right. And, and I think most people might not think that this was exactly the right situation to be um, planning to leave work when you're having a new um, kid on the way. But I, for me, it was kind of sort of like I had already pushed back um, the decision so many times and never made the leap. And it's like, if I don't do it now, this, this life event is actually going to be the last chance for me to do so. So I left with the intention of starting a company and I didn't have a full formed business plan or anything like that, but I did have just a host of ideas I wanted to try out. Um, so I kind of told myself that the primary thing was, you know, let's, let's spend some time and just enjoy, you know, having, um, a newborn and, 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 and living that life for a little bit, but on the side, um, he's thinking about what's next. So I said, I set aside my, I gave myself a year, year and a half to kind of, um, to do that. And so I was working on a couple of plans and then Kickstarter came around. All right. So let's look at, look at the kick. Let's talk about this Kickstarter thing. So you come out with this on Kickstarter and you say, you know what? I think I need maybe $16,500. And then mm-hmm. you get a hundred and six. Now there's things on there that are going to get millions and millions. You were not, you were not looking for, you know, even 20, 30,000. You're looking for 16 grand and right. you get 116 grand. Right. And that had to be very, very yeah, but, encouraging when you, when you, uh, when you came out with this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the Kickstarter platform is amazing because they, they sort of democratize this whole like project development process. Um, and for, for me, like I'd always been playing around with this idea of a, of a wall. I could never find one that I wanted personally to use. I tried all different kinds. And, um, one day I was playing around with the wall. I said the real, only the, the real limitation from these kind of card case style walls is when you try to put cash in, you, you get restricted when you get near the bottom. If you have a, a larger amount of cash, you just, it, you know, physically you can't fit it in there. So I, I kind of tweaked and I was like, you know, the, the only restriction is this this end point here. So I, I actually just took a blade and cut it open, put the cash in, and the, you know, wow, that that actually works really well. I, I, I had some sort of wary that the the cash would not be held in there securely, but it was. And so then I started making all these different prototypes and designs, and just always as kind of like a, a personal project. I used initially like a, kind of like duct tape, and then eventually I, I started. I taught myself how to sew and was, you know, working with leather and playing around with these things. And then my friends were testing them and trying them. And, you know, I, I never really thought that there was a real, um, huge potential. I thought people would, would like it, but I think people would be more like 
um, scared that the, the, their cash would not be secure or whatnot. Right. Um, so I, this Kickstarter phenomenon came along, and I said there were two or three other um, wallet sort of ideas that had done fairly well. And I said, you know what, my, my, my idea is at least as good as these, I think. So, you know, you know, what? let me let me stop. Pretty- let me stop you right there, because that what you just said, my idea is at least as good as these that I think is so important for so many people who've started their own thing. I remember thinking, you know, myself when I when I was starting five by five, I was thinking, I, I know that I can do shows that are at least as good as X. And if this person over here is doing shows and I think I can do shows as well as this other person or as this other network or this other show, if I can do something that's as good as that and they're making a killing doing it, I can pay my own mortgage. I can pay my car payments. If they're making a mint over there doing something and I can get, I can do that as well then there's room for me to try. There's room for me to do it. I mean, is this, is, does this represent what you think you were thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a strange uh, thing because everybody always says, Robert, everybody always says you got to go in there with, you you know, uh, you got to go in there ready to destroy the competition or else you're not going to make it. And now people are going to say, well, this goes in contradiction with my theory that, you know, about moderate success or my theory about, not being the best at something. Of course you want to do the best work that you can do, but, and I believe, I believe strongly that you should strive to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. But the reality is, and and, and I don't know if you found this to be true. I want to hear, but do you have to be the, the best or can you just be uh, really different or really interesting or have something that's compelling and different and also very good? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think the you're, you're, you should always be striving to be the best. But more important than that is, is you should be better. And that's kind of our our mantra. Is like we there are so many different things that you encounter in your daily life, like the products you use. Like you find something or some kind of issue where it doesn't work just right for you. And the reality of the situation is that it probably there are other people out there that are experiencing the same thing as you. Um, you know, and I. And I I realized this when I, you know, I was talking to, you know, my friends and family and, and people I would meet and randomly when, when I did, when I was using my wallet, I was like, you know, that, that actually does solve a big problem that I have. And so I got, re- you know, encouraged by that. Um, but I think you don't have to, if you try to make the best, um, and, and I guess I suppose best is also relative um, to your, your situation, but you, you, you can't get it. You can't get a product perfect. Even, even like the Apple, you know, the iPhone, the first iteration of the iPhone or iPod, um, they were pretty good, you know, but they weren't perfect. And so you iterate on it and you get better. And, and I think you have to get to the point where you get it as far along as you can for that certain point in time. You get it the best you can at that point in time. And then your next time around, you make it better. So that, that was the way that we, um, you know, introduced our product is we, I pushed it as far along as I could, given the situation and circumstances that I could. And then, um, you know, we, we produced the product for, for Kickstarter. And then, um, 
you know, took time off to kind of really reevaluate um, the product and get feedback from folks and see, you know, because it's a brand new product, but, you know, I have no idea how, how it's going to perform out in the wild. And I wanted to make sure that, that you know, my, my, my biggest priority was to make sure that the product um, was a quality product and would, would last. If someone's going to pay money for, for any amount of money for something that they're going to purchase from me, I want to make sure it's as good as possible. That's so, a great story. You know, so you do are, the Kickstarter, you come out with the wallet, people are buying it like uh, like crazy, and now you go and you do what I'm always waiting for Kickstarter projects to do, and after this, I've, I've, I've got to let you go, but you do what all the Kickstarter projects, so many times, Kickstarter project will be like, oh, I'm making this thing, and uh, you know, you're going to be able to buy one right here, and they make it, and they do it, they deliver, and then they're sort of, they're done. They don't build a business from this. It's like a one-time thing. You, you, you get the feeling that it's a one-time thing. You actually continued. You said, you know what, we're doing the Kickstarter. We're going to make these things. We're going to send them out to folks, which you did. And then, you know what, you open up a site and the site exists and now people can just go there and they can just buy them. Why, what, what's different about you that made you think of this as I'm making a business as opposed to I'm trying to build a cool wallet that I hope some people will buy because there is a big difference in the fundamental philosophy that you have going into this. Yeah, I think for me, the um, my mindset always is to build something that, um, you know, sort of would stand the test of time longer. So, you know, I have a lot of different ideas for products that um, can, can be improved. And I didn't want this to be sort of a, you know, one hit wonder. So I, um, took a step back after we delivered all the product, took a step back to say, Hey, okay, let's, how can we create something that's going to, um, have a foundation so that we can build upon it. So we have, you know, the minimalist, um, is the, is the first sort of product and we have ideas for other products that we want to introduce under the same, um, brand of, of capsule. Um, and I, I think just making sure, and, and my background actually is, is, is more in, in business. So I, I think that way, I, I don't think like, oh, this is just going to be a cool little side project for me to um, have some fun with, which I think Kickstarter is an amazing platform for that too. But I think the, the, the Kickstarter projects that find success are the ones that when I was doing, you know, research and constantly kind of following are the ones that like, it's easy to kind of have, um, you know, one one good success, but to have a sort of prolonged sustained sustained success, I think is harder, and that's more my goal is to you know um, make sure that I'm still relevant here, you know, in three, five, ten years. Right on. Um, I didn't I didn't want to be like you know a flash in the pan. Well, so pre- listen, you're not going to be. Don't worry about because this is good stuff. Uh, so if you want, where to yeah, pimp your site? Where do people go? Capsule wallets. C a p s u l e wallets.com. It'll be in the show notes. Robert, I really appreciate you uh, giving us a call today. Thanks. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Dan, for um, taking my call. I appreciate everything that you do. And uh, folks, go out there and uh, and quit. It's possible. You can definitely do it. Sure thing. All right. Take care of yourself, man. All right. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Nice guy. So cool. Great story. It's a great story. And this is the wallet. This is the wallet. It's it's perfect. It's it's just the wallet I would picture for Dan Benderman. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how I could do with less than this. And you know what? He he said at the beginning of the thing, he's like, I'm afraid that maybe you wouldn't still be using it. You hear what? Did you hear that part of it? He's afraid of that. Mm. He's afraid. And he said the word afraid. 
That's how and I say this every time you have in. Maybe there's people, maybe, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong, Daniel. But I'm afraid every single day that this is the last day. Not of like the universe, like the world is coming to an end. But that just, oh, it's over now. I got to find something else I can do now. Because, and that fear becomes your motivation. It becomes the thing that makes you say, I can't. I can't be, and it's one thing to feel satisfaction in your accomplishment. It's another thing to, uh, to relax. You know what happened to Honda? They, re- they relaxed. Mm-hmm. And you know who ate their lunch? Toyota. This is true. I drive a Toyota. This I is, believe it. This is what happened. Yeah. Honda came out of nowhere with this tiny little rinky-dink car that everyone in Detroit laughed at. Everyone knows this story. And all of a sudden, guess what? There's a crisis. There's a fuel shortage. People had to wait hours in line to get gas, and it was very expensive. People who were not alive in the 70s don't understand, unless you uh, live in an area that's uh, plagued by hurricanes and things like that from time to time, the idea that you can't get gas for your car, that it's not there. Or that what it, you can only get one gallon. Forget the fact that, oh, it's, gas is expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. Forget that. What if you couldn't get it? Or that to get two gallons of gas, you'd have to wait an hour and a half in line in your car to get gas. And that's not going to be, and you already know that's not going to be enough gas to get, to get your kids to school and you to work for that week. That was the problem we had back then. Guess what? Honda's got pretty good gas mileage. Totally. And that wasn't the only reason that Honda became successful. But Honda it was so used to being the number one car, especially in the you know economy car space, that they, they relaxed too much. And Toyota came up and said, oh, we can do better than that. And that, that's what happened. Toyota came out. You can't rest. You can't relax. You need to be scared. Eye of the tiger. I mean, that's it. Eye of the tiger. You have to have that. Have to have it. You have to have it. Because otherwise, and that's what this guy, he's, he's afraid I'm not going to use it. Why is he afraid I'm not going to use it? Because I'm famous? No. Because he's afraid everybody's going to stop using it. Have to have it. I mean, that's it. People are always like, well, how, you know, how, how did you, how come you're successful? Because I'm scared not to be. Anything less, I would have quit already and tried to figure out something else that I could do that it probably wouldn't have worked. And that's the thing is you need to stay scared. You need to get scared and you need to stay scared. And people who are, who are comfortable in their jobs I remember people who were comfortable in their jobs, they were often the first person to go when there would be a reduction in forces. The first person to go. Well, I know my, no one else does graphic design in this department. So, you know, I'm the only one that can do this. Or they could just fire you and hire a freelancer. They don't have to pay them benefits. It's like writing out a rent check. They don't have to have them around when there's no work for them to do. You're the only one with a Mac in the department. 
somebody's already looking at you. That's how it used to be. Amy. Hi there. Hi, Amy. Thanks for being on hold for so long. Sorry about that. That's all right. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing okay. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. So you emailed about working remotely. Tell me your uh, tell me your situation. Do you want me to read the email or do you just want to tell me about it? No, I can summarize it. Um, in January, I just got my first job. I'm a copywriter at an advertising agency in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But a couple weeks ago, my boyfriend got accepted to graduate school at Texas A&M. So we'll be moving in August. And I talked it over with my boss, and they're willing to let me work remotely. But it's my first time working from home, and I'm kind of nervous. What do you most? What do you feel like is the biggest risk? What's uh, what's the thing that's scaring you the most? Well, I'm a writer, and I focus best when I work alone. But I'm worried about going kind of stir crazy, being by myself in the house all day in a town where I don't know anyone. Um. And I'm also worried about what effects working from home will have on my career. Am I going to miss out on things like client presentations or opportunities for networking? So the, now Texas A&M, this is in College Station? College Station. Okay. Yep, it's in College Station, Texas. Which is like, that's East Central? Like how far is that yeah, from here, Danielle? How far is that? Um, I think it's like an hour and a half from Austin, maybe okay. two hours and you said it was, I'm sorry, I mean, was it your boyfriend or your husband or uh, fiance or who? who is My this? boyfriend. Okay. And so he's got a job and you're going to school or he's going to school and you're moving uh, to go to school with him and you're working. Exactly. And you, can I say your age? Because it, it says here in my notes what your age is. Can I say it? Yeah. 22 years old. Yeah. So you're in the workforce and... Is this your first job out of school? This is my very first job out of school. I graduated in December and got the job in January. You sound very mature and professional. Very. I would have guessed, guessed, you know, you've been doing this for years and years and years. (laughs) That's going to work to your advantage. But here's the thing. Uh, Are you going to be supporting your boyfriend or is is he set up and, and going okay with school and he's got that well in hand? No, we'll both have about the same income. Uh, he's getting a full ride to grad school. Nice. And then after it, are you going to go to grad school and finish, do something else? And it's going to be his turn to kind of work full time or, or are you going to just stay doing I'm what you're doing? I'm not sure. I think I'm just going to stay uh, in the workforce for now. Good idea. If you're asking me. I think, you know, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Here's why. First of all, 22 years old. 22 years old, not the best time to, don't, don't let me scare you. Not the best time in your life to be working at home by yourself. Not the best yeah. time. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because this is the time when learning about how offices work, learning about how businesses work, learning from uh, your peers and your, uh, your, your, your mentors, all of that is very, very important. Of course you can do that at home. Of course there's nothing that you can't do, especially if you're writing. And think about the uninterrupted focus that you'll be able to have, 
think about the schedule you'll be able to keep. You can write and, and do the work that you want to do when it suits you, especially if you're given a deadline. We need this by the end of the week. Great. You can work at midnight. You can work at noon. You can work whenever you need to. And you can do it in the privacy of your own home. You can do it without constant distractions. You can do it in an environment that you like. Maybe you can pack up and go to the coffee shop. But here's here's the thing. I think you're right to be a little bit concerned about the aspect of isolation that may come with this. Uh, your boyfriend's going to be, I'm assuming, out of the house a bit, uh, going to classes and things like that. So yeah, there's going to be times, yep. especially, and listen, I remember college. When you're in college, you're, you, you have constant activities. You're constantly seeing lots of different people. You're going to lots of different uh, classes, different events, different uh, meetups, tons and tons of different things. And now it's going to kind of shrink down to like, well, I'm like in a room now writing eight hours a day. I would not worry about how this will affect your career in any way. I don't, I think that's a non-issue. Work is work. Yeah. But I definitely think there's going to be a transition. So what's the answer? There's two things. First of all, I know how it feels when you get your first job out of school, you know, you, you have a lot of uh, loyalty, I think, to, to the company. And you know what? Maybe that's deserved. I think that's a good thing. Uh, but you will, you will probably have other jobs in your life. Maybe. Maybe not. But you will probably have another job at some point. And what you can do is you can take advantage of the situation, of the, the, the flexibility of your employer to say, yeah, you can work remote. We'll keep paying you. And, and you can try it nobody's going to look at this and be like, oh, that's a bad thing. If anything, they're going to see you as somebody who's versatile. They're going to see you as somebody who could, wow, she worked in an office, she worked on her own, and she still got her work done. This sounds like the kind of person we can trust with a project. This sounds like the kind of person that has enough integrity to get their work done without having to be watched, even at a young age of 22. So I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's certainly not going to hurt your career. The, the main concern that, that you might have is, that feeling of isolation. Now, I don't know anything about College Station. I don't know what kind of community they have there. I don't know what kind of meetups they have. I don't know what kind of, you know, I, I don't know anything about it. But I do know that they've got a, a pretty happening university there. And usually when you have a university like that, especially because you've got a direct connection to that with your boyfriend going there, that there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. And I think what you're going to just have to do is make the conscious effort, the extra effort to go and find those activities. They're not going to come and find you. But I bet you anything that those opportunities will still be there. So, yeah, there might be seven, eight hours a day where you're on your own in your house, in your apartment, whatever, writing, doing stuff. But make that effort to get out. Go work at a co-working space if they have them. Maybe you can work on campus in the library. Maybe you can go to a cool coffee shop that's there. You will meet people. You will stay in the loop. And as long as you keep working hard and doing your job, I think you'll be just fine. And you may find that, you, that as a writer, that this is perfect for you, that this is the dream job. So I, I, I don't think you have much to be concerned about. I think you're all right. Plus, if you don't like it, like get a different job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's only going to be uh, a two-year grad school program. And if I don't like it, I can always find something else. That's right. And in two years, you guys will, you know, upgrade, move to Austin and have the rest of your life ahead of you. That'd be pretty cool. We'll be ready to hire a copywriter by then, I'm sure. We already need one. I hope so. Do you do freelance? 
I sure do. Hmm. What kind of writing? Uh, well, I do all kinds of copywriting, um, print, online, uh, you name it, I write it. All right. Email us and uh, maybe we'll talk to you. Sounds good. See? Worth calling, I guess. You were on hold for a while. Sorry about that. That's okay. All right. Well, good luck and call us back. Let us know after you do this whole move. I think you're going to be just fine. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right. Take care. I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of new opportunities. You're going to be just fine. All right. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Danielle, I have two categories. Mm -hmm. People I worry about. Mm -hmm. People I don't worry about. I'm not not worried about her. No. She sounds awesome. Did you hear her? 22. 22. She sounds like that. I I sounded much higher at 22. Like I'd been sucking on helium. (laughs) She's, she's, she's Hattie caliber or, well, okay. I haven't met her. I don't want to say that. Hattie, Hattie is a unique caliber of maturity and, but Amy seems like she has Hattie caliber potential. Yeah. My second sponsor today is shutterstock.com. Over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, video clips. Doesn't matter what you're looking for. You're looking for something to use to build your website. You're running a post and you need a cool image. You're building an application, you need icons. You're making a presentation, you need something cool to go along with it, make it look good. Doesn't matter, they have all of this stuff at Shutterstock. They give you a global image collection. Images from across the world will suit your project. You can go, you can get one image, you can get an image pack, you can get a monthly subscription. Depends on what you need. What do you need? You're a designer, you're doing mock-ups. Cool, that works. You just need something for one individual post, one individual thing. You can get that. It doesn't matter. These folks are great. They're really awesome. And the way that they have set up searching for you is really, really awesome. Yes, you can just go and type in a search term. You want to get a picture of Santa Claus, you type Santa Claus. You can also really refine that search. You can even refine the search by color. If you're looking for something that has to match a certain palette or a certain scheme. They also have a really, really amazing iPad application that lets you organize and put everything together. And, and what you do is you build, and you can do this on the website too, you build these light boxes. When I was sick a couple of weeks ago, Merlin Mann uh, made a light box of sick children that he sent to me, shared with me. And that's what you can do. You can put together a light box of images that you like, and you can share it, share it with the other people you're collaborating with. You can share it with other members of your team. You could share it with your client, or you can just use them privately just to organize stuff. It's really, really great. You can do all of this without paying a dime. Shutterstock.com. No credit card needed. When you find the stuff you want to buy, use the code Dan sent me five. Number five, Dan sent me five. And you will get thirty percent off any package you put together. One image or a thousand doesn't matter. Shutterstock.com. Dan sent me five. Oh, okay. Josh called in. We got to take him. <sighs> got to talk to Josh because Josh is making a big deal out of this. All going on and on about it. <laughs> It's because in Tennessee, there's nobody to talk to. Am I right? <laughs> no, no, nobody. Just, just me. This is a presenting Josh Centers, Dun, managing editor of Tidbits. Well, hi, thank, th- thank you. And What's your story? What's the on? big deal? I said to call before, and you're like, "Oh, I can't call yet. I got big news. Can't call yet. Got big news. What's the big news? You're managing well, editor of Tidbits. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it was announced Monday. Had had to keep it under wraps. Had to, had to keep it on the hush hush. On the DL. 
Yeah, on the DL. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, okay. So the story was, um, past few years, I'd been working as a corporate stooge, uh, fairly, you know, menial corporate job. And uh, I turned 29 last year, and I was at my, you know, on my birthday, I'm, I was just thought to myself, uh, I am going nowhere very fast. So, um, <laughs> that, um, did it just occur to you on, on your birthday that morning you wake up, happy birthday to me. I'm yeah, going nowhere fast. <laughs> pretty much. You know, I was almost 30. You know, I guess that big three O starts, you know, hovering on the horizon. You start thinking, Oh, Oh, I'm an adult now. So, uh, you know, uh, a few months later I start my own website, um, joshcenters.com. And, uh, you know, I didn't really mean to write about tech stuff, but in spite of myself, I started to do that. And uh, back in September, I bought the iPhone 5, and I started realizing that it had a big uh, data leak, where it would just use a lot more data than the than my 4 would. And so I started tracking that down. Well, it turns out that um, Glenn Fleischman, who is a man, um, editor of the magazine, and he's also a writer for Tidbits, um, was researching the same thing. So I remember when this whole thing, this whole thing blew up Mm -hmm. and you were Mm -hmm. right at, you were right in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to track down the problem and I don't think Apple's ever quite fixed it. Um, but yeah, so he, he sees my stuff and and he liked it. And so he, uh, he pinged Adam Inks, who's the publisher of tidbits and said, Hey, uh, Adam, you should get this guy and start writing. So, um, that's what I started doing and started doing that back in December and I just kept writing more stuff for him, and I kept dropping hints to Adam. And said, "Hey, you know, if, if you ever needed somebody full time, you know, I would I would love to do this all the time. You know, this is my dream job." Nice. And so, yeah, and uh, he gave me some stuff to edit, and he liked what I did with that. And uh, driving home a few weeks ago, and uh, he just sent me a text and said, "Hey, I got a contract for you. Check it out." And uh, well, here I am. That's pretty amazing. And that's what, so you wouldn't call in because you knew all this was going on, but you, you couldn't say anything about it. No, I know. We, yeah, we had to, we had to build suspense. So uh, do you feel that all of this came as a result, just as a, a purely as a result of the work that you were doing independently? And because I've heard this time and time again, and it seems that writing is a unique, maybe developing, maybe writing and developing are the two mm-hmm. spaces where you can go and, and either write something or consistently do a column or build something interesting. And that, that sort of gets you noticed and gets you your dream job, really. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. And I think it was a combination of um, a lot of hard work. I mean, I've worked a lot of 18-hour days the past few months because, um, you know, I had a, at my corporate stooge job, you know, it was 50 miles away. So I drove an hour there, drove an hour back, 100 miles a day. That's would nuts. Come home. I know, isn't it? So uh, I come home dead tired and just kind of suck it up, you know, pull up my MacBook on the couch and get to writing. And, uh, you know, so just lots of hard work, um, a lot of luck. You know, I was, you know, but my advice to anybody would be, you know, make sure, make sure the right people are seeing your stuff. You know, um, I got linked to on the loop about a month after my website started, just because, you know, I pinged uh, Dalrymple. I was like, Hey, look at this article I posted. And he liked it and went on the loop and suddenly had thousands of people coming to my site within the first month. I mean, and that, and it's interesting because again, you can, you can come out with something, write a piece and that can completely like change the course of, I mean, this sounds dramatic, right? But like you can change the course of your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the past six months have been crazy. I, you know, just switched to this job. I got married, have a baby on the way. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's something that, uh, and you, and, and this is why though, and tell me, tell me this. I, mm-hmm. rem- I vividly remember, uh, which it wasn't that long ago, turning 30. That, that was not a big mm-hmm. deal to me. 35 was a big deal. That was like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. <laughs> and when I hear people say, oh, I'm, the, oh, I'm turning 25, it's, uh, wow. And I'm like, your body still works just fine. You know, you're finally figuring out who you are in your brain. You know, like it's not, it, it's, that's not a big, like, it's not that big of a thing that you survived for 25 years. I don't know. It's, yeah, kind of big, it's kind of a big thing, Daniel. Why? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think. When will you be 25? When will I be 25? Yes, when are you turning 25? I'm already 25. Okay. I will be 26 this year. Okay. It's impolite to ask a woman her age. Well, I don't mind, but it's daunting. Turning a new age is daunting. Going from 25 to 26, daunting? Quarter of a century plus. It's not, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like that. Well, you're a man. For women, it's different. I am improving every day. So unfair. It's true. Every day you come in, there's just more of a better. glow around you. A little bit, a huh. little bit taller. So, Josh, what was yeah. it about turning 30 that, like, lit a fire underneath you? Why did, why that? I mean, because it's just a number. It's just, and you know what? Maybe your parents got your birthday wrong or something. <laughs> and maybe you've been 31 for a year already, you know, and you don't even know it. Well, well now I'm scared, Dan. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I don't even know what my age is. Um, well, you know, I don't really know. I, I guess, I guess it's just a landmark age. And I kept telling myself for years, you know, I, I always wanted to be a writer and I always kept telling myself, well, you know, 25's come and gone and, you know, you'll get to it. You'll get to it. You'll get to it. Then, you know, hit 29 all of a sudden it's like, okay, here you are 29th year. You have not gotten to it. And if something doesn't change soon, um, you know, it's, it, it might be too late before I know it. So just for me, that was what lit the fire. And, you know, and just realizing that, hey, I, I am an adult now. Um, you know, this is my life. I have control of it. Um, you know, also um, the woman I'm married to now, she's been a huge inspiration for me. Um, and she kind of helped uh, kick me into responsibility in adulthood. Well, that's something important. People often uh, forget to credit the people around them for this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I couldn't have done this without, you know, my mother and my wife and uh, Glenn Fleischman and Adam Inkst and, uh, and Tanya Inkst as well. You know, they've, they've all been huge support and huge help to me, and I, I love them all to death. So Josh Center, so managing editor. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between managing editor and just the editor? Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure yet, to be honest. Um you know, biggest thing I do is I help put the issue together um, every Monday, and uh, we you know go through, we review the articles, uh, read through them, you know, for the newsletter, um, which you can subscribe to at tidbits.com, by the way. So that's that's the main, the big thing I do. And throughout the week, I assign articles and um, write some myself, and uh, just try to get try to get content for the issue. Very exciting stuff. I mean, you know, the, I was talking to Robert uh, a little bit earlier, the wallet guy. And he was saying how, mm-hmm. you know, 
it was it it was a weird time for him to be considering making these changes because you know he had a new kid. Well, I started five by five, you know, when my kid was like a year and a half or or something like that mm-hmm. old. I'm sole sole breadwinner for the family. You know, my uh, family depends on that, and you know, th- but that's the thing is people are always like, "Well, I shouldn't do it now. I shouldn't do it now." But I'm not saying to be reckless, but you can't let a feeling that, well, things aren't quite, things aren't just right. I want to wait for everything to be just right before I make a change or everything needs to be just right before I, I do this. Now you've had a lot of things that sounds like, uh, just sort of happen at the right time that led you to say, okay, look, all of this stuff is, is working out. Not everybody gets a call and says, Hey, I've got a contract for you. Come be, you know, managing editor of a, of an online uh, magazine, but there, there are always opportunities. There are always situations that, that could lead to something and you just need to be open-minded to it. So that's all I'll say. But Josh, I appreciate Absolutely. you calling in. Good luck to you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be reading your stuff. If you want to go check out, uh, uh, Josh's work, the link is in the show notes, five by five, TV slash quit slash 23. Thanks for, uh, for finally calling in. Thanks, Shame on you for waiting. <laughs> Take care. You too. Thanks, Bye. Dan. See, Danielle, I told you, 60 minutes. Not going over. It's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Or is, is this the wrap-up? Does that mean we are wrapping it up? <sighs> I've got to. There's people, there's people who are going to wait on hold. They're going to have to wait on hold for seven more days. You're paying for that. Though. I do pay for that. Oh, you know what? Oh, gosh, I feel bad these people are on hold, but we get it. We get followed. We get Phil. Phil in Seattle. We got to take him. We got to take him because he's got a, an update for us. Phil, what's going on? Yeah. You, give me, give me a th- oh, hey, Dan. 30 second wrap up of, of who you are and what happened last week for those who didn't hear it. 30 seconds go. I sure can. So I've been a freelancer for about almost five years, moved to Seattle just, uh, just over a month ago with no gig, no job, really lined up and just a little over a month of uh, Christian finances uh, available. So that was the situation two weeks ago when I called. And since then, I've been hustling. Um, what does that mean? Doing interviews. Just really contacting everyone I can think of from people back home who I've worked for in the past to uh, going to, to meetings, user group meetings, talking to local people, uh, calling everyone I can think of, throwing the resumes out there. Just taking that as uh, basically my job until I find a job type of thing. So um, that's what I've been doing the last two weeks, and even prior to calling you, that's what that's what I was doing. Um, and so, yeah, this a week ago, my update was why well, I found something short term that was, was going to extend our cushion, um, which was good news, and uh, that was really good. But um, since then, actually, just later on that Friday after after talking to you. I heard back from someone I had interviewed with, and so I now have. It's probably going to be at least a six-month contract. Nice. Um, it could turn into contract to hire. Yeah, and that's uh, that's actually with with Amazon. So. You know. Oh, very cool. You know, they um, may they may stick around for more yeah. than six months. I think they might. Um, See, so and th- this is this is great. This is great, yeah. great news, Phil. I'm glad to hear this yeah. because, at the very least, you. you've gotten yourself a six-month extension. And you know what? You're you're going to be at a good company. You're going to be able to learn stuff there, you know, and that's going to be on your resume. Absolutely. And if it's a six-month contract 
and it ends after six months. Mm -hmm. They decide not to hire you. What you do is on your resume, you put Amazon and in parentheses or next to it, you put six month contract. You make it very clear that it was a con. People are always worried about this. And this was always a tough thing for me. This is always a tough thing for me because I had a lot of contract positions that were always forever going to be three months long, six months long, 12 months long. And I found very early on that, that I would go to a place, I'd apply for the job and they'd be like, I see moved around a lot. And I said, well, those, the, you know, well, you know, well, why, why'd you move around so much? Well, no, I didn't move around. Uh, those, you know, those were con. Oh, well, you should write that on there. And I learned that what I was doing was I was giving people the impression that I was going from one job to another job to another job because I couldn't hold down a job or maybe I was getting fired or maybe I, could, I was getting bored. Well, I was getting bored and I didn't like what I was doing, but that's why I was doing contract jobs. And you put that down on there. If this thing doesn't work out in six months, you put that down and nobody's going to bat an eye at that today. But this is great news. So right. uh, can you get me like a discount yeah. or something on like, can I get, you know, a prime for free now or something? Um, See what you can do. I, can I want that, you to li- I listen. Know. I know what you, you can't, that's code for you can't say it on the air, but I appreciate it. And uh, let me know how I get <laughs> my, my free prime. I'll see what I can do. All right, Phil, good luck uh, to you. And, and listen, like Thanks. six months from now, you can call before then if you need yeah. to, but at a minimum, six months from now, call back, let us know how you're doing, all right? For sure. Good luck Thanks, to you. Man. Good luck. Guy's 39 years old. 39 years old. Gambling with his life like that. But look, going to be a happy, happy ending, as they happy say. Happy ending. Happy Success. ending, as they say. Light at the end. All right. Danielle didn't get to a lot of these emails. So next, you know, next week we've got, uh, are we sure that, that he's going to be here? I've got the him on the pants. schedule. Yes. Scott. He's, he's been so kind. God, this guy's tough to get a hold of. You think I'm tough yeah. to get a hold of. <laughs> you can be. And I work here. This guy is. <sighs> Hope he's worth it. So next week. You ever heard of frog pants? Ever heard of that site? I've, I've heard of it. Frog Pants Studio. Frog Scott Pants. Johnson does. He does almost as many shows as I do. He may do more. They're very funny. They are. Very funny. They've got, they do all this, you know, all the stuff that you want from a sort of a nerd comedy studio. Very fun. They just mm-hmm. embrace fun. Mm-hmm. You know, very good stuff. So he's going to be on the show next week. We promise. And uh, sorry if we didn't get to your to your calls in time. Sorry if we didn't get to you. I'm gonna. These emails are so great. After Frog Pants, the following week, I'm gonna do another email focused show and just respond to them rapid fire style. So all your hard work, Daniel, will not go to waste. It it, it will not go to waste. We also have a newsletter. We do five by five TV slash newsletter, or no slash quit slash newsletter. I guess that's important. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the newsletter there. Things are ramping up big time. Things are ramping up. We'll be addressing some emails. Yes. Questions. Dan's corner. Oh. Look out for it. I'm looking forward to seeing also what that is. So thanks, uh, Danielle, for all your hard work. Thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter. Dan Benjamin, all one word on Twitter. Dan on Alpha. And uh, Danielle, T H E underscore M-O-Z-E on Twitter on Twitter 
in the chat room. In the chat room, all around the internet. Everywhere I go. Everywhere she goes, there she is. And that's it. That's all we got. But if you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can do that by calling anytime, 512-222-8141. You can also uh, contact the show, and we will get those emails, and we'll be able to read them, respond to them. You can do that by going to 5x5.tv slash quit, or, and then it's a little contact link there, or just go to 5x5.tv slash contact and pick quit from the list. Either one works just fine. We appreciate it. I read all the emails. Danielle reads all the emails. We never... Uh, we'll read them if you check the little box that says don't. So be careful about that. Otherwise, we will get, you'll give us permission to read it, which maybe is what you want because we want to help you. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks very much for making this show possible. Thanks to our sponsors. And uh, have a good Friday and good week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>